If you're uh, new to Connect Church or if you're back after being away for a while, uh, let me just kind of give you an update of what's happening around here. I'm Pastor Russ Michaels. I'm the lead pastor at Connect, and this is Pastor Bruce Montfortin. And uh, Bruce is going to be leading our new campus in Great Falls, the fall of 2014. And so part of what we do around here is uh, we like to apprentice new leaders. And so Bruce came on full-time with us in December, and he's working hard around here. And, and the, one of the biggest responsibilities that he has is to shadow me and to apprentice with me. And so he's basically apprentice teaching with me. And uh, we're working together, team teaching, so that when he launches in Great Falls, we will really be two campuses, but one church, one body. And so in Great Falls, they're going to be teaching the same series that, series is, I don't know if that's a word, the same series uh, that we teach, and he'll be teaching the same messages that I teach. We work together. And so this has been fun for us, and I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, but it's very much a learning process for all of us. And so... Uh, today we'll be teaching together as we have been the last few weeks. Uh, we've been talking the last three weeks, and, and this is message number four in our Christmas message series that we're calling The Promise Fulfilled. And we've been taking a look at, at four Old Testament prophecies and how they were fulfilled in the birth and the life of Jesus. The first week we talked about a prophecy from the book of Malachi that that envisioned that somebody with the spirit and the heart of Isaiah would come. And that was fulfilled actually in the life of John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus. And then the second week, we looked at the prophecy from Genesis about uh, the man-child or the offspring of the woman, Jesus, who would crush the head of the serpent. And uh, we talked about how uh, we have victory in Jesus and how we are overcomers through Jesus. Last week, we talked about the prophecy from Micah about the little town in Bethlehem and uh, the fulfillment in the book of Matthew. When Matthew changed that prophecy to say, Bethlehem, you are by no means least. And we talked about how when Jesus is born in us, we move from being just little to being by no means least. And today we're going to be taking a look at a very famous prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah that uh, many of you probably can quote by heart, and it's up on the screen this morning. Isaiah 7.14 says this, one, one of the most beautiful prophecies about Jesus. It says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. A very, very important prophecy that envisions both the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, but also this wonderful name of Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. Now, I was raised in a church family, and uh, I, I can remember hearing messages about Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. And, and this was a part of my consciousness that this is who Jesus is, that he is God with us. I, this was a part of my religious upbringing from the time I was a very, very young child. And it came from teaching, it came from Sunday school, and, and it also came from 
worship and singing. Last week we talked about uh, the value of singing scripture songs because it, it gets into your head. And somebody already this morning had listened to the podcast and said, my illustration of what does the fox say uh, was, I think you used the word earworm? Earworm. Because it gets in you and you can't get that, that, that song out. This is how music works, right? And, and one of the values of listening to Christian music or songs that use scripture is it, it's like a worm that gets into your brain and you can't get it out. One, one of those songs for me in the, in the 70s and the 80s was that old song, what? My wife is heckling me. Sweetheart, this is a very holy, sacred moment. <laughs> In the 70s and 80s, there was a song that we sang that was called Emmanuel. Do some of you remember that? All right. And, uh, and, and uh, Scotty, do you remember that old song, Emmanuel? Are you not old enough? You don't know that song? <laughs> I was going to have him come up and play it and lead us in singing it for those of us that are old enough. Do you know it? Emmanuel. Do you remember this? Emmanuel. His name is called. There's about 20 of us who remember it. Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us, his name is called Emmanuel. Really cool chords, right? <laughs> All right, give it up for Scotty. He that that was awesome. That song was one of those songs that 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 just wormed its way into my brain, right? And and I had as a as a young person uh, a very vivid sense that God was with me, that that Jesus lived in me, that He walked with me, that He was present with me. And uh, after I graduated from college and most of my friends were married, and they were having babies, and, and I was kind of left in everybody's dust. Uh, I can remember having times of deep, deep loneliness. And I was almost 31 when Chris and I got married, and so uh, my 20s were times when I was really, really lonely. And, and, and I can remember trying to fill that loneliness with, with many things. Um, I, I got a dog. <laughs> and my dog went with me everywhere. He, he slept in my bed. Uh, it wasn't the same, right? Those of you that are single and you bought a dog trying to fill the loneliness, it, it's not what you're craving, right? <laughs> Cats are better. Oh, We're going to divide the house here, aren't we? I can remember going, going to sleep at night and... Uh, and leaving my TV on even after I didn't have cable, I was just, you know, I had no money. And, and so it would turn to snow about midnight, right? And I can remember waking up in the middle of the night to that sound. 
and flipping the TV off because I, I, I didn't want to, to just go to sleep in a silent room. It drove me crazy. And, and the loneliness was deep, and yet at the same time, I had this abiding sense. Abiding is kind of a Christian-y word, but you know what I mean? I just had this deep awareness that Jesus was with me, really, really with me. And uh, there, there was a verse in particular that meant a lot to me in those years. And it, it comes from Hebrews chapter 4 in the New Testament. has nothing to do with Isaiah. But uh, this was a verse that comforted me in those lonely years. And it says this, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet he didn't ever sin. And, and this verse just took on a, a life of its own in my mind because I, I realized one day that Jesus had never gotten married. Have you ever thought about that? And those of you that are single and, and you struggle with the loneliness and you struggle with the temptations that come to single people, uh, this verse is helpful to those of us that walk through that. Because Jesus faced all of the same testings we do, and he never sinned. Jesus understood that aching loneliness. I really believe he did, because that's what the Bible tells us. That he struggled with that aching loneliness, and yet in his godness, he came and he lived with us. Because he wanted us to understand that he He's God with us. And even though he never crawled into bed with me at night, and he never uh, walked on the beach with me, even though I never had him as a physical companion, I tapped into the reality that Jesus was spiritually with me. And uh, it, it changed everything. Now, as I'm talking, I can see some of you reacting in an emotional way, and I, I know you know what I'm talking about. Many of you know that ache in your heart of, of deep loneliness. A lot of us at Connect are single. I think probably better than half of Connect Church is made up of single people. And, and I know that you know what that ache feels like. Some of us who are married, I shouldn't say us, some of you who are married, I have a deep companionship with Chris. She's... She's my very best friend. But some of you who are married, you're, you're really deeply lonely. And uh, I, I know that. I, I know that not every marriage is blissfully happy. And sometimes the loneliness is almost worse than when you were single. Some of you are sitting here today and you have lost somebody who uh, was your best friend, was your constant companion. And you've lost them for some reason or another, they've passed away or they've gone on to a different part of life or whatever, and the loneliness is palpable for you. Um, it's part of, of life for most of us. Some of you, when I'm talking about having that deep sense that God is with us, uh, you can't even relate to that because you feel like you've been abandoned by God. And if that's you, if any of those descriptions describes you, I want you to know today, and I, and I hope that before this time is over, 
I hope that we will be able to experience together the presence of Christ in such a deep way that you will be able to say, God is with me. That's, that's where we're going today is hopefully by the end of our gathering time today, you will have experienced the, re, the real presence of Christ in this place. He wants us to know today that we're not alone. One of his names is Emmanuel. God is with us. And so we're going we're gonna to look in the Bible in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 in the New Living. But before we do, and, and while you're turning there, if you've brought your Bibles or have your electronic devices, um, I want to jump back and I want to read Isaiah again. Yeah. Because it's so connected to what, what we're going to look at in Matthew. And Isaiah 7.14 says, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel, which again, God with us, Emmanuel. And then we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I, I want to look at, at today's society a little bit versus, versus society back then because things were very different. You know, today people get engaged and then they break engagements and, and all sorts of things go on. But back then, really the word wasn't engagement. They, they weren't engaged. They were betrothed. And we looked up the proper pronunciation of that. So I'm, I'm yeah, good when with When we it. were practicing, I said, it's not betrothed, it's betrothed. And I said it in that kind of superior way betrothed. I felt lessened. Yes. And then we looked it up in dictionary.com. It's either betrothed or betrothed. So I say betrothed, you say betrothed. And then my feeling of, of lessness dissipated. There you go. All right. I'm so glad. <laughs> Thank you, dictionary.com. <laughs> Absolutely. So back then, though, in, in their tradition and, and in their society of that time, betrothed was a very serious thing. Actually, in the Jewish culture, the two would come together and actually make a covenant together when they betrothed to one another. Betrothed. <laughs> betrothed. <laughs> to one another. And it was a very serious thing. So when they would come together and, and, and they would make this covenant, this agreement with each other, um, the father's family would give money or a dowry to the, to the bride so uh, later on in life she would be taken care of. And um, then uh, they would come together, they would make this agreement, and, and all was wonderful, so it was really serious. Now, this is the deal, though. If they ever broke this thing, this is where the, the differences come in between then and now, besides, of course, the dowry. Um, they actually could be killed. If the wife committed adultery, she could be killed. And the husband would have every right to, to have that done. It's a very serious thing. Not only that, but um, she would lose her dowry to the husband-to-be. I mean, the money would all be gone. She could be, she could be killed. And there's a, there's a lot more to the custom and, and tradition that they went through back then. And, and I don't want to really get into that other than to say this was a really, really serious thing. So now you can imagine Joseph, or I can imagine Joseph sitting there. And all of a sudden his wife or his wife-to-be comes home. And, you know, and he hasn't done anything, Right. And because they haven't been married yet, and his wife to be comes home, and she says, uh, uh, 
I got some news. Um, I'm, I'm pregnant. I mean, what is, what is he going to think? What are you going to, what would you think if your, if your engaged person, the person you were engaged to, and you had never slept with, come home and said, oh, by the way, we're going to have a baby. Aren't you excited? You'd be a little bit uh, put back, I think. And you're like, okay, who did this? Where did this come from? How did this happen? And then we read on. In verse 19, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph loved Mary so much that even though he believed that she had cheated and committed adultery on him, and back then that would make her, basically in the eyes of society, a prostitute, even though she had done this, Joseph still didn't want any harm to come to her. He wanted to do it quietly, in secret. See, because if he, in, in the tradition, when he would go after her dowry, he would go after to the leaders-to-be, and it would become very public, and she would be shamed and embarrassed. But Joseph wanted to be with her, and Joseph loved her so much that he wasn't willing to do that. And he wanted to break the engagement quietly. Now, think of this. Joseph was a person who knew the Old Testament, okay? He knew the traditions. He, he, he knew what the Old Testament said. And I'm sure he had probably read or heard Isaiah 7:14 on more than one occasion. And if you're Joseph and you're sitting there, there's an Old Testament, or a, a, a prophecy from, from a long time ago that says that there's going to be a lady who is a virgin who's going to be, you know, bring forth the, the king of kings, or bring forth Jesus, or the God of this world, or the one who's going to take away the sins, right? I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, right, that doesn't happen in my home. That only happens to other people. So you know that Joseph is, has this in his head, but he's thinking, yeah, this ain't the one. And his mind, I'm sure, isn't on Isaiah. It isn't on the whole idea that his to-be wife could be the one that's going to bring forth the Savior of the world, that's going to free everybody. I'm sure his mind is spinning. And as he's pondering and considering this, we pick it up in verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, for your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he'll, he will save his people from their sins. Now Joseph is going, okay, all right. I'm sure he's freaking out at this moment. I know I would be. Okay, the, the lady whom I love, the lady who I am getting ready to marry, all right, now God's coming and telling me now she is going to be the carrier of the one who's going to save the world? Really? That's a crazy thought. Mm -hmm. And then Joseph's thinking, wow, you know, that's my boy. He's going to be the one. That's right. <laughs> Come on. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his, through his prophet. And then uh, verse 23, look at the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is really cool. And we're going we're gonna to transition a little bit here into four observations. And the four observations are in relation to this part, that God did so much cool things. So many miracles took place and did it in such an amazing way because he cares deeply about each and every one of us that he wants to spend time with us. He wants to be with us. He wanted Joseph and Mary to be together as well. 
He doesn't just want to be with us. He wants us to be together. And so now I want to look at, or we want to look at four observations in light of what we just talked about. All right, so if you're taking notes this morning, there's four observations on your note cards that you can uh, jot down. And the first one is this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I think this is really cool. God himself lives in community. God himself lives in community. God doesn't exist in isolation. And, and where I get this from is the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity, if, if you've been exposed to Christianity for any length of time, you've probably learned something about the Trinity, that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons is the way theologians describe it. And uh, I believe that the doctrine of the Trinity isn't just uh, mental mumbo-jumbo. It's not just theology. It's a statement of God's values. He exists in community. And so he wanted human beings who are created in his image to, uh, to be a reflection of that community that exists in who he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the second observation if you're taking notes. Because we were created in God's image, Genesis chapter 2 teaches us that, because we're created in God's image, we crave community. I believe, based upon my, my uh, 50-some years of observation of the human race, that every human being craves community. And the reason we do is because we're created in God's image, and he is community. His very essence is community. Now, you might not agree with me. I encounter people all the time, and we talk about it from time to time around Connect Church, that uh, we realize there's people who have bubbles, right? And, and we've talked about this. There's people who don't want you to violate their space. There's, we're, we're kind of huggy people around here. My wife, in particular, is chief molester around Connect Church, and those of you that know her have been molested by her. She, she's huggy, she's touchy, she, she gets in your space, and, and, and part of it is because we value love and affection here at Connect. And there's some people that don't want to be hugged, they don't want to be touched, and they'll say, I just want to be left alone. And I get that. There's lots of reasons why that happens, but I fundamentally believe that even people who have a big bubble, they want to be known. They crave companionship. They crave real, authentic love. And I believe, I, I, I want to propose to you, every single one of us crave community. Now, Bruce, you are, you're a person, I would say you're not... Uh, you're not the most um, Teddy Bearish of people. No, I, I, I don't. I don't like being molested. <laughs> you're, and and you're you're not somebody that runs around hugging people all the time. And yet, I know you well enough to know that you really crave community. Community is really important to you. And and uh, one of the one of the stories that you shared with me early on that helped me understand that this is a really important value of yours was your previous experience 10 years ago or so uh, of planting a church in Everett, Washington. 
And in that experience, I remember you telling me that you felt very lonely in that experience of church planting. And so uh, one of the reasons why Bruce wants to plant a church with Connect Church is because this is so important to him, is, is doing uh, things together as a community. Can, can you just share a little bit about what that experience was like in planting a church in Everett? Yeah, and, and first of all, I just want to say, you know, part of, part of this apprenticeship that we're going through or whatever, um, Russ and I don't come together weekly and hug to, to break my... <laughs> um, I just kind of... Um, so my wife and I had, uh, when we decided that God wanted us to plant this church, we, uh, we got together with, with the district office, with the denomination we were with, and we got together with the district office, and they put on something called a boot camp, church planting boot camp. And you go to this boot camp, and all the experts on church planting and the so-called experts on church planting come together, and they get their minds together, and they work with you on your unique situations, and develop, you know, uh, a plan and, and all the different things that, that are needed. And, and one of the cool things that I really liked about this boot camp was they kept saying, you know what, once this week is over, once this boot camp is over, it's really not over because we're going to continue to come. We're going to continue to be there. We're going to be at church services. We're going to be helping you out all along the way. And I'm like, cool, that is awesome. You know, I, I need some minds that are brighter than me to come alongside and look what we're doing and, and give us some input. And, and I was really excited about that. And I was excited about the fact that we weren't doing it alone. And so anyway, we, we go and we have our first uh, church service and our second one. And a year goes by and I haven't seen any of them. None of them showed up. None of them were there. And the only time I ever had contact with them is when I would call them. And they were probably annoyed that I was bothering their busy schedule. And so, if you can't tell, I'm just a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> a little tense over it. But anyway, um, you know, the, all the promises and everything, they, they were never fulfilled. But that's not really where we, I know that what we want to talk about here. The idea that they didn't connect with me, I tried to connect with them, and all of a sudden, I'm out there by myself. I, I'm hanging out there. And, and, you know, it's tough to be there alone when you're um, just going through life. But when you're when you're a pastor over a church and you're having to pour into these people, you know, who are lonely and you're feeling lonely and left out there, it, it's a challenge. It's really hard. It is. Uh, I'm just thinking of that very, one of the first stories in the Bible, uh, God created Adam from the dust of the earth. And then he said, it's not good that a man should be alone. God's priority for us was that we would have community from the very beginning. And Jesus becoming Emmanuel, God with us, is such an important part of who Jesus is and, and what he wants us to experience. Here's the third observation if you're taking notes. God revealed himself to humans in many different ways. And I'm thinking of how God revealed himself to Adam and Eve in the garden, how God revealed himself to Moses, how God revealed himself throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, God is speaking. God is giving people dreams. God is appearing. God revealed himself in many different ways. But becoming God with us, becoming Emmanuel, in my opinion, is the ultimate revelation of who God is. No revelation of God 
was more significant or more important than God with us. And um, Bruce, I, I know you and I have led very different lives, um, but probably in different ways, both of us have experienced the presence of God in, in very tangible ways. As we were preparing for this message today, I was thinking back uh, to, to many different experiences in my life, but one of them is my experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is something that has been very significant for me in sensing God's presence in my life. And for those of you that maybe don't understand uh, what that is, um, the, the Bible teaches in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and uh, we, we have an experience that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, what, what the Bible shows over and over and over is that in the early church when this happened, people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They would experience the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And one of the first things that would happen in the New Testament is they would begin to speak in languages they had never learned. And, uh, and I had that experience when I was probably, I think I was 12 or 13 years old when this happened to me for the first time. And I was at a youth camp, and, and I, was, I was praying, and people were praying for me. And I had this experience in which the Holy Spirit came upon me. I, I had a, a physical reaction to the presence of God. It was so strong. And I, I began to speak in this language, and really what it is, it's prayer. It's supernatural prayer. And I began to pray in this language that I had never been taught. And since that time as a very young person, to this very day, I, I have this prayer language that I use, and it is so supernatural that it's one of the things in my life that uh, validates for me that God is physically with me. Because I know that this is not a language that I make up. It's not something that I conjure up. It's a... It's a miraculous thing that's an everyday occurrence in my life. And because I pray in this supernatural language, I have this deep sense that God is with me. Do, does that make sense? And, and Bruce, what, what are some of the things in your life uh, that has helped you experience God or, or experiences? Tell us some of that stuff for you. I, I have had so many powerful times in prayer when I'm by myself. I, I, I'm one of those guys that has literally heard the voice of, the audible voice of God call me out a, a time in prayer. Um, I, I've had moments where I've been praying and, and, and I can't even move. You know, you just feel the tangible presence of God so, so strong. You just, you don't even want to move. You know, it's, it's like, sometimes you even get the feeling, you know, if I move, this might not go well for me. You know, just, just sit there because God wants to pour into you and, and love you. And I, and, and I would have those experiences. And, and how have those things happened? I mean, what, what was the context? Where were you at? What was happening when you've had those experiences? Well, you know, I've been in various places. And, and, um, but, you know, one of the things I like to do is I have a space in my house that I just pray in. Uh -huh. And... That's where I go to pray, and, and, and a lot of that has happened 
in those times when I'm spending time in there. You know, Jude 20 says, build yourself up in your most holy, holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I take that very personally, like you, uh-huh. you know, with, with my prayer language. And I start feeling down and, and in the dumps and sometimes tired and wore out. And I will go into my, my prayer closet, whatever you want to call it. That's the Christian term, right? Go into this place in my house and start praying, praying in my prayer language. And all of a sudden, I feel like I can climb a mountain. You know, and and that, that ain't gonna happen in the physical, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I, God just comes upon you, and and it's something that is so supernatural, and something that is so cool and so amazing that your body can't do anything but respond to it. Uh-huh. And sometimes your body can't move. Sometimes, and but when you're done, you're so energized and so jacked up. I mean, when we went to Mexico, Itzy's over there. I see she's here. Hi, Itzy. <laughs> um. What an amazing experience when the presence of God shows up and people are getting healed and, and all of these things are going on. And I know I'm rambling a little bit. That's and okay. I, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, another thing is when I pray for people for baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, God has asked me to pray for people for that. I, I, I don't know why, but, uh, but specifically. And I can literally, when I'm praying for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can literally feel where they are in connection with God, and it's just a supernatural thing. I can feel the presence of God inside of me, and I can tell, and I, and so many times I've talked to them, and I've said, this is where you're at, this is where you're at, and they're like, yes, yes, that's where I'm at. And so I could go on and on, and we don't really have enough time for that. But but that's okay. I, I think what, I, what I'm trying to communicate and what I, what I want all of us to know today is that Christian faith isn't just a cerebral thing. Jesus came to be God with us, but he only lived on this planet for 33 years. But when he left, he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will be with you always. And God's presence is with us. And and it's not just a matter of believing the right thing so I can get into heaven. It's not just about having my sins forgiven. Part of this Christian life is having an everyday, daily experience with, with God walking with you, living with you, speaking to you, speaking through you. God is with us, and it's a very real thing. And it's one of the things that I believe is very important to God, that it goes beyond just mental ascent, and it becomes a, a, a presence of God in our life. And if you've never had that experience, um, I'll just tell you, it, it doesn't come with just uh, showing up to church once a week or once every other week. It happens when we place ourselves into environments in which we spend significant amount of time with the Lord. And, uh, and he comes really almost uh, in, in proportion to the time we spend with him. If you really want to experience God's presence in your life, it, it takes the disciplines of Bible study and prayer and worship and giving him the space to move. Does, does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about? So our third observation is that uh, God with us really is the ultimate revelation of who God is. And then I want to turn the corner just a little bit with this four, with this fourth observation, which is this. Uh, I believe that nothing is more important 
than withing others. I used this term a year ago when I was talking about Emmanuel. Some of you remember when I used the word with as a verb. Uh, and it's become a part of our language in our home. Sometimes I'll say to Chris, Chris, I need you to just stop moving and just with me. I, I just need you to with me. Don't talk. Don't try to solve my problems. Don't, don't try to fix everything. Sometimes it's the men in the relationship that are the fixers, right? And, and I see ladies shaking your heads because sometimes you need the guy just to slow down, right? Stop trying to fix me and just with me. Came across a video this last week that I think is just stunning. And will you watch this and really listen to uh, what the speaker is trying to communicate? That's, uh, that's Dr. Brene Brown. And a talk that she gave and somebody else animated it. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. And uh, I've watched it over and over and over. And it's just helping me remember that sometimes I don't need to fix stuff. I just need to be with somebody. There's a lot of truth there. So we've been, really the whole theme of today is all about being with somebody. Or being with God. And we want to look at some next steps and, and kind of hopefully help you continue the process throughout the week of, of getting intimate with what we've been talking about up here. And so the first one is, this Christmas, be with others. Be with others. You know, you might be somebody who's alone and doesn't have any family around. Um, maybe you're, you're here uh, as a college student and you don't have anybody around. That doesn't mean that just because you're alone in life doesn't mean you can't engage and, and be with other people. I mean, you can come here on Tuesday night. Now, Pastor Russ, he might be here Wednesday, but you can come here Tuesday <laughs> night for the, for the Christmas deals and be with people on Christmas. You can hang around people. Maybe you could go to a shelter and volunteer helping people uh, uh, receive food that they maybe necessarily wouldn't have or, or clothing. You can get involved and, and be with people. I encourage you, maybe uh, there's a family member that you haven't talked to in years. This is the time. Reach out and, and engage and, and, and learn to enjoy their company in the future. Um, be with family. Just be with others. It's, it's, it's really how God has designed us. The second step is this. This Christmas, be with Jesus. You know, we, we do a lot of decorations, and, and we get involved in our shopping, and, and uh, you know, Christmas Eve's coming, and I know you guys are going to be out hot and heavy on Tuesday getting all your shopping done, especially for your wife, and, you know, and we're scrambling, and we're running around, and we're making sure the tree is just so, and we're making sure the mill is just so, and, and sometimes, I know I have in the past, I'm, I'm guilty, I have forgotten the reason why we celebrate Christmas. It's because God sent his son Jesus to come to die for us so that we can have that relationship with God and be with God. God desires intimacy with us. God desires to be a part of every aspect of our life. So I want to challenge you this morning. Take some time. Get into your prayer room or go into that place in your house. And be with Jesus. Maybe you're at the, 
at the Christmas Eve dinner table or the Christmas dinner table, whichever it is. Take time before you eat and have everybody talk about what Jesus means to them. I don't know. There's lots of different ways you can be with Jesus, but I want to encourage you this season, let's make it a priority. Let's be with others, okay? Let's not sympathize for them. Let's empathize with them. Let's get our hands dirty and get in there and get with others, okay? And let's spend some time with Jesus because he is the reason for the season, and I know that's so overused. I know this, I know this isn't on the script, but can I tell just a short story? Uh, Chris and I were uh, Chris and I were decorating our house for Christmas, and uh, many of you know that I have collected nutcrackers for many, many years. And uh, and this year, Chris just wanted us to keep our decorations kind of simple, so we just took out some of our favorite things and put them out. And uh, and as we were finishing up, I suddenly realized we hadn't put up a nativity scene. Everything was nutcrackers and. Uh, lights, and it was just all stuff, right? And I said, Chris, you got to go get the Mary and Joseph nutcrackers. I, we have Mary and Joseph nutcrackers. <laughs> and I said, there's got to be some Jesus in here somewhere. And, and we have these little nutcrackers. There's a Mary one and a Joseph one, and the, and the Jesus is about this long, just a little circular piece of wood in Mary's arm. But, but even in decorating, to me, I had to have some Jesus somewhere. And, and I just want to drive this point home. It's so easy for Christmas to become about everything else. Can we really keep it about Jesus? Make sure Jesus is a part of, of Christmas. And make sure that being with other people is, is a part of your Christmas too. It's not just about presents and lights and stuff. Now, we have a nativity scene out that, that we place out there, and my granddaughter, Kimmy, so she's two and a half, she grabs, she takes little Jesus out of, out of the, the manger or whatever you want to call it, and he, he's done a lot of traveling during, during this time. He yeah. goes all over the house, and then we play hide-and-seek with him, and we got to find him, and we never know where he's at. And, that tricky and Jesus. She, she's, <laughs> she, so she understands it, she gets it, she hangs out with Jesus all the time. That's awesome. So at this church, we believe in building relationships. It's just, it, we value that. We value connecting with people, building relationships, and, and getting to know one another. That's just what we value. That's, you know, that's who we are as Connect Church. And I, and I love that about us. And, and that's such a cool thing. And, and what we've been talking today just fits right in with all of that. So hopefully you've been encouraged today 